But have you guys ever heard the phrase, I'm sure everybody in here, curiosity killed the cat? So all of us, I would say, are typically curious in some nature, some fashion. Uh, Brad Pitt was very curious in, in the movie Seven, what's in the box? Uh, so to the point where he went a little crazy. But some of us are like that at Christmas time, right? When we see the present, we got to say, what's in the box? We want to open the gift. We, we have this just curious nature with inside of us to know what's going on. And uh, oddly enough, I was curious as to where that phrase came from, curiosity killed the cat. So I'm grateful to be here today that I did not die in my research in finding it, but apparently it was originally written in a screenplay in 1598 by a guy named Ben Johnson. So he wrote plays, and it actually was originally Care Killed the Cat. So that was the original way that it was brought out, and then it was changed uh, later on in history to Curiosity Killed the Cat in 1873. So just kind of an interesting thing. I was, I was like, you know, talking about curiosity, where did this phrase come from? But, uh, you know, we all have that, that curiosity, except when it comes to be introspective on ourselves. Because a lot of the times we're like, I really don't want to know what's on the inside of me, right? Would you guys agree? Because if we were truly honest and we, we talked about what was on the inside and we really looked on the inside, we find a lot of yuck. So this is what we're going to be talking about this morning. And the title of today's message is, What's on the Inside? So it's going to be a little heavy, as, as you guys know, that, that James has, has been pretty heavy throughout, and uh, today is no different as we talk about the idea of our tongue. How many of you have ever said something you absolutely regretted? How many of you have ever said something that has hurt somebody badly? How many of you have ever heard something or been told something that hurt you badly? And maybe a little bit deeper on this one. How many of you have had a scar because of something somebody said to you? It's interesting when, you know, we talk about the idea of sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I didn't look where, up that one, where that came from. I should have. But that is absolutely not true. Because the words that we say and the words that we hear can have long-lasting effects and can absolutely hurt us. But today we will not be starting in James at the start. We will be actually starting in Matthew chapter 15, uh, starting in verse 17. It says, Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? It's a very graphic description. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. That's a lot of bad stuff. That's a lot of yuck. As we talk about that, as, as we really begin to look, what are we putting inside of ourselves? What are the things that are inside of us? Because whatever is on the inside of us is going to come out. And a lot of the times, the things that come out of us aren't always a good thing. Would you guys agree? 
And Tyler talked about last week about the idea of all of us being teachers. That the verse in itself says that, you know, teachers will be judged at a harsher level. But the reality is that when we claim the name of Jesus, when we say that we love Jesus, we ultimately become teachers because of the way that people look at us and watch us. It's hard, right? And I was looking or thinking just about the idea that not only would we necessarily be judged more harshly by God for being the teachers, but think about how much more that we are judged by people that are outside of the church. That when people know that we follow Jesus, that we claim the name of Jesus, think about how they begin to look at our lives and judge the actions and the things that we do. Have you ever met somebody that just can't stand church because of a Christian that they've run into at some point in time? This is really where we're going to be diving into today, is the fact of how we as Christians have really damaged some people that have turned their backs away from the church altogether. But before we get there, uh, Tyler pointed out the idea that, you know, whatever we say, it starts in our hearts, right? Right? It starts in our hearts. Whatever is inside will eventually work its way from here to here and then from here to here and out into the world. So ultimately, whatever is on the inside of us, wherever our our heart is, is going to make its way to our minds and then eventually it's going to be out of our mouths and then it's going to be into the world. And within the culture that we live in now, you think about tweets that were sent out 10 years ago that, you know, were inappropriate, are being surfaced, and and now people are losing jobs and stuff because of things they've done 10 years ago. Words matter. The things that we say, the things that we type, the the things that we put out into the world matter. But we so easily allow things into our lives that shouldn't be there. When we really begin to look introspectively and look at our lives, how many things do we allow into our hearts that we know we shouldn't put there? How many things that we, we look at and be like, you know, it's okay, you know, I can ask for forgiveness, right? It's better to ask for forgiveness than permission, that whole kind of statement. So we go ahead and we begin to allow things into our lives and we're like, man, I really wish I wouldn't have allowed that into my life. But we continue to do that and allow things, whether it's music, TV shows, anything, anything in life that you can think of that we should not be putting in our hearts, we put there and a lot of the times it will stay. And when we begin to fill our hearts with other things, ultimately what we're doing is allowing those things to take the place of Jesus within our hearts. Because we can say that we only have a certain amount of room within our lives. We only have a certain amount of room within our hearts. And and the more that we begin to put in there and the less Jesus we begin to put in there, we slowly begin to push him out. And honestly, we can tell what's in our heart with the things that we talk about the most. When you're passionate about something, that's what you talk about. When you're passionate about cars, you talk about cars. When you're passionate about makeup, you talk about makeup. When you're passionate about anime, you talk about anime, right? My youth, yeah. 
you know, guilty as charged. But anyway, uh, you know, you begin to really talk about what's really on the inside of your heart, the things that you fill it with, the things that you love, the things that you are passionate about. Those things are what's in your heart, and eventually that's what you're going to talk about, and that's what you're going to have the most excitement about when you talk about it. So if you're ever curious as to what is in somebody's heart, listen to what they talk about the most. Sometimes the things that we have in our hearts can be used by the enemy to destroy us and others. That's a hard truth. Because if there's evilness and gunk and and yucky things that are within our hearts, the enemy knows that those are there and he can begin to bring those things out. So we need to be truly and absolutely careful of what we are putting within our hearts. James chapter 3, starting verse 5, first half of 5, says, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Our tongue is a small part of us, but it is very powerful. You know, typically when we think of the idea of something that's powerful, we always kind of get this image of somebody big and strong or something that's huge that has all kinds of power. Like even to the idea, maybe some of you think of Superman in this room as powerful. But yet if you take the splint, a splinter of kryptonite and you put it in his skin somewhere, he's not so powerful. It's interesting how powerful he is, but yet something so small can cripple him can make him unable to do all things, and our tongue is the kryptonite to us. And when we begin to to speak and we don't have the right things within our hearts, it's easy for us to begin to share that kryptonite into other people's lives, and we begin to tear them down. So never overlook the power that your words have on others. You know, we all raised our hands at the beginning that, yes, we have all said something that has hurt somebody. We have all said something that has damaged somebody. We have all heard something that has affected us deeply. I mean, I can remember one time uh, there was this friend that I had, and I did something, and I don't remember exactly what it was, but I hurt them, and I received an email from them. It simply said, people like you are the reason I want to kill myself. And I remember how hard that was to get over, how hard that was to root through, and just how deeply those words affected me. Even today, just thinking about the idea that I could push somebody that far. But the words and the actions that we do as followers of Christ truly matter because if we are pushing people to the point where they can say something like that to us, we obviously are not loving the way that we should. And it's easy to forget that when we speak that someone is listening and there is an impact in their lives, whether it is good or bad. Whenever we are talking, there is always somebody that is listening. There's somebody that that hears our words as they begin to come out of our mouth. And, you know, they may not be a big deal to what we are saying, but ultimately it could be a big deal to somebody else. 
And the words that we say as followers of Christ, they do hold a higher weight. They do hold a weight because ultimately what we say could push somebody towards God or pull somebody away from God. So we need to be absolutely mindful that the words that are coming out of our mouth, because when we are put in hard positions, that is often when those things, when the things in our hearts come out. Often when we are put in a place where something upsets us, where something angers us, where something just makes us sad, all of a sudden what's really within our hearts are going to be the things that begin to come out. Typically, when you're in a good mood, you're not going to attack somebody verbally, or, or when you're in a good mood or, or life is happy, you're not going to say something that's hurtful to somebody, but ultimately, when somebody attacks you, somebody hurts you, you're angry, you just had a bad day, all of a sudden, you begin to start to say things that you wouldn't typically say, and that's often are really what's in your heart. James chapter 3 Second half of verse 5 says, How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting a fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Woo! James keeps laying it on thick here. He goes from the idea that our tongue has the ability to, to boast great things, that, that people are listening to, to what you're saying, that there's a boast that comes out of your mouth because there is power in what you say. And then he's saying, hey, that tongue that you say, even a small spark be can begin to set a forest fire. Even a small spark of something that you didn't even think was important or you didn't think was offensive or anything like that, all of a sudden now there's a fire that has bursted in. Everything around you is burning. Our words have the ability to set fire and destroy everything around us. Our tongues can burn people, relationships, and others' view of Christians and of God. That's a really hard reality, is that the things that we say, the things that we do, and the way that we talk to people or love people or don't love people can have major lasting effects on people's lives. That it can make people look at Christians and say, I want nothing to do with that. And if those are the people that represent God, those words that are coming out of their mouth, I want nothing to do with that. The way that we give advice sometimes, we can tear apart relationships. The way that we uh, talk to, to people within our lives, we can tear people down. We can cause them lots and lots of pain just with a little spark. So in that case, we need to be more thoughtful and mindful with what we say because it might not mean much to us, but it can really, really hurt somebody else. And our words that we say can, can stain the way that people look at us. Our words and the things that we say, whether it's one time or we say it over time, can really begin to, to put a bad taste in other people's mouth. So when they look at you, they can be like, oh, that's, that's that person. That person's not good at loving people. That person represents God. I don't want that. 
And, and it can completely destroy any opportunity that we might have to share the gospel with somebody else. But not only that, our words can also stain the way that others see the whole body of Christ. Our words and the way that people meet you, and, and again, as, the, as you know who Christ is and people begin to know that, that can stain the whole perception of the way that, that somebody looks at the body of Christ, that looks at church, that looks at Christians, and that stain is going to be really, really hard to wash out, to get rid of, to get out of the way, to help them to know Jesus. Guys, I, I know this is, <laughs> this is really, really heavy because... I want you guys to understand the weight of the words that we say. And our words can truly turn somebody away from Christ and change the course of their life. You know, when it talks about here and that it's set on fire the course of life, I mean, we could literally be burning away a trail for somebody to come to know Christ when we aren't loving them, when we aren't talking to them in the way that Christ would. And then ultimately, it says even here at the end that it, our tongues can be set on fire by hell. And when we are not speaking in love and we are not doing things in a way of loving people and we are staining the body of Christ, that we are turning away people from Christ and changing the course of their lives, we are now doing the work of the enemy. And I think any of us here in this room have no desire to do the work of the enemy. None of us have a desire to do what the enemy wants us to do. But yet, when we aren't thoughtful and mindful of the things that we say, or even mindful and thoughtful of the things that we are putting within our hearts and letting dominate our hearts, and they begin to, to pour out, we are doing the work that he wants us to do. Verse 7, for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Man, James does not like the tongue. He, he absolutely does not like the tongue. As you are reading that passage, it's like his tongue is just like this whip that's like slapping us all in the face. And it's just like, man, you're saying you don't like the tongue and you're saying all these things, but man, you are, are really using it to, to put us in our place right now. The only hope we have is to put our faith in Jesus. You know, it's funny when uh, Diana and I put the, the words and stuff in on, on Thursdays and she goes, I read your point four and the only thing I could think of is, help me Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. So uh, maybe we just need a little droid following us around that has like a projection of Jesus that comes out and says, <laughs> help me, help me, Jesus, you're my only hope. But anyway, I, I digress. <laughs> but we are, we are taught in life that we should be in control of things. That from an early age, we, need, we find this need to, to control our lives. We find the need to control our younger siblings if we have them. I see it all the time with my boys. 
Josiah is constantly trying to micromanage and tell his two younger brothers, hey, you should do this, you should play with this, this way. He even tries to do it to me sometimes. It's like, hey, you're not doing this right. It's like, I've been doing this for years. I know exactly how to do it. Yet now I'm trying to take the control back. But anyway, uh, we just have this thing where early in life, we have this desire to control things. We try to control the situations in our lives, and we even get to the point where we think we have the ability to control what we say. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. Sometimes things come out, and we're like, oh, did I really just say that? It's like, man, where did that even come from? And we begin to question the words that, that come out of our mouths, and we realize that we truly don't have the control that we thought we did of our tongues. But, you know, I, I was thinking about, you know, just this portion of the passage, and it talks about the idea that, you know, Humans have, you know, learned how to train every type of animal, tame every type of animal. I can't even get my dog to stop barking at people 15 minutes after they've been in the house. So how in the world can I control my tongue if I can't even get my little 15-pound, 15, 15 yeah, somewhere 15-pound miniature schnauzer to stop barking at people once they've already been at the house? He literally will follow you around and bark at you even after you've said hello, and it's like... I can't control this dog. There's no way that I'm going to be able to control this. But we can try and try and try to tame our tongues. But again, when hard situations and hard times happen, then we find out how out of control we are with what we say. We will never have the ability to completely tame our tongues and we will always fail at it when we try to do it by ourselves. I love how this passage specifically says in verse 8, but no human being can tame the tongue. This is saying that we as Christians and we as people have no hope in taming the words that we say. But Jesus does. Jesus is the only one that has the ability to tame our tongues. And we, when we continue to push him out of our lives to make room for other things, we're making that, that taming last a lot longer. We're making sure that that taming is not going to happen. So again, if we continually are putting other things in place of Jesus, then we will have absolutely no hope. Matthew 26, 41 says, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know, it's so easy for us that, you know, Jesus is talking to his disciples in this time as they are continually falling asleep in the garden as he is about to, to give his life over for, for all of us. And he's just like, guys, Stop falling asleep. You know, don't give in to the temptation. I, I, I know your, your, your spirits are willing, but your, your, your flesh is weak. And, you know, we can all really take this to the point that, you know, we all have a desire within our spirits to say and to do the right things. But ultimately, our flesh is weak. And many times in life, we, we can see that our flesh is weak and we fall because our flesh is weak. 
And there's always going to be temptations around us. And when that person cuts us off in the car, to use a metaphor like Tyler would use, because he always talks about the highway. You ever realize that? He's always talking about getting angry on the road and on the highway. I mean, I'm guilty from time to time as well. But just when somebody cuts you off on the road, all of a sudden, you know, things start to come out. You get angry. And you begin to say things, right? You begin to to maybe make some motions, you get angry, you let it really deter the rest of your drive when those things happen to you. (laughs) What? (laughs) Sign language, yes, Willie, sign language happens. Uh, (laughs) But in moments of of temptation, our, our flesh is going to be weak. And if our flesh is the thing that is stronger than our spirit, then most likely we're going to fall into the temptation to say or to do something we shouldn't. So we need to continually and actively grow our faith if our tongue is a restless evil. So take that into consideration that that this verse is saying that our tongue is a restless evil. So if our tongue is restless and it never tires and it continues to to try to, to pull all of the negative things out of us, the only way to counteract a restless evil is to have a restless growing of our faith. That we must continually and actively with our lives continue to have a desire to grow our faith and not just a desire but to put it into action so that way we can begin to overcome the restlessness evil within our tongues. But so often I think that we are not willing to do that. We're not willing to to put in the work to to be able to overcome. But again, our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. Verse 9. This one's hard. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who uh, who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Think about the reality of that statement is that we are willing to bless God, to praise God with everything that is in us, say, yes, God is good, all of this, when in the next second we're ready to tear somebody apart because of something that happened. Or somebody made us angry and now we begin to to curse those that were made in the likeness of God. If we are truly followers of Christ, we have the opportunity to love God and others. It's so easy, you know, to to be a Christian and to, to walk the walk on Sundays. It's easy to be a Christian on Sunday, right? We're in a room with like-minded people. Most of the time, we, we have a lot of agreements. We, we talk about Jesus. We have a good time. We worship together. It's easy to be a Christian on Sunday mornings, but what do you like the rest of the week? What are we like the rest of the week? That one was a hard one for me to, to think through. What am I like the rest of the week when I'm not here on Sundays? 
And I can think about through different times that, that I have failed and maybe I have not represented Christ in the way that I should. And then we begin to ask the question, is who I am on Sundays a facade? Because if it's easy to be a Christian on Sunday when we're with like-minded people and fellowshipping together, but yet six days out of the week we are somebody completely different, is Sunday us the fake us? And man, as I, as I was thinking through that, that's, that's a challenge for all of us to, to really evaluate who we are throughout the week. Because if we are to represent Christ, Sunday in itself is not good enough. When we are out there in the world, when we are around people that aren't like-minded, when we are around people that disagree with us, when we are around people that believe that God is not real, when we are around people that are hateful, that are angry, how do we respond? What are the things that are coming out of our mouths? Are, are they loving words like Christ would speak to them and how Christ cares for them? Or are they a deadly poison, a relentless evil? How we treat others is a reality check as to where we truly are in a relationship with God. When we're not treating people well, when we're not loving people, when we're not out there get helping people to, to walk in, in their way with Christ, to find Christ, when we're not doing those things, when we, when we truly are, are just being hateful and angry, when we're out there in the world, that really shows where our relationship with God is. Because if we have a true, deep, and loving relationship with God and we understand how He loves us and cares for us and what He has done for us, we should have a desire to reflect that out into the world. But if our relationship is not as deep as we act as though it is on, on Sunday morning and then we, we go out there and, and we... We do things, we have the ability, as, as it said earlier, is to change the course of somebody else's life. And we as Christians are not called to live a double life, but who we are on Sunday morning is who we should be every day. Are we willing to, to worship God when we're not here on Sunday mornings? Are we willing to, to pray when we're not here on Sunday mornings? Are we willing to actively pursue a relationship to deepen our connection to God when we're not here on Sunday mornings? What is it that's discipling you when you're not here? James chapter 3, and we'll getting into the final point here. Uh, verse 11 says, does, does a spring forth, pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. James is calling out those who are saying they are one thing but really are another. This is truly and deeply a very introspective passage that we are going through to really think about who we are as followers of Christ. 
Are we truly living out the life that we should? Are we truly living our lives as though Christ is is real? Are we living out a life as though we have a real relationship with Christ or are we not? Because we can say that, that we are a Christian, but just saying it, I don't believe is enough. We need to be living out the life. We need to be speaking with love. We need to be speaking Christ. And, and just as I said, if you want to know what somebody is passionate about, that's what they're going to be talking about the most and what they're most excited about. Are we talking about Jesus that way? Do we talk about Jesus in the same way that are we passionate about him? Do we get excited when we talk to others about Jesus? Because we should. We should have a desire, and and just as Tyler said, we get to talk about Jesus. Because we know him, we get to talk about Jesus, not the fact that we should. We shouldn't hold it in that place where I I should talk about Jesus. We get to. And I think that's important when when we change that mindset that it's something that we should do as opposed to something we get to, and we get to enjoy it. Jesus has called us to love others the way that he did and does. You know, when the, when the Pharisees asked Jesus what the most important commandment was, you know, first love the Lord your God, then love others the same way as you love yourself, right? So he's talking about the idea that we are called to love God with everything within us. And if we truly are loving God with everything that's within us, it's going to be easier to love others that are around us. He's called us to to truly love others. So I want to close out with this point here. What are you letting grow on the inside of you? What is it that you are watering? What is it that you have allowed to be planted within your hearts? What is it that you are are taking care of? What is it that you are nurturing within your heart that is beginning to grow? Because ultimately, in the same way that it starts as a seed in the garden, it begins to grow and eventually it spouts out of the ground. In the same way, whatever seeds are within our hearts are going to begin to grow and eventually it's going to come out. Our tongue is small and powerful, and if it goes untamed, it will reveal the real you. And the only thing that can overcome our tongue is our faith, our faith in Jesus. Because as we read in verse 8, that no human being can tame the tongue. It's only Jesus. So as we continue to grow in our faith and our love for Jesus Christ, that is the only hope that we have to be able to tame and control our tongue is through Jesus Christ. You know, we talked about back on Easter that, you know, it's the faith the size of a mustard seed. And we can move mountains. Our faith and, and the, our faith the size of a mustard seed is that small kryptonite for, the, for our tongue. 
because as we begin to put the seed of faith within our heart and we begin to begin to nurture it and we begin to take care of it as we begin to actively pursue growth in our in our relationship with Jesus that seed that's as small as a mustard seed will begin to grow And eventually it'll begin to, to grow into something beautiful. It'll begin to grow into this giant tree that, that bears fruit. It'll bear uh, the fruit of those that are around us. And as people begin to see it, as people begin to hear the way that you love Jesus, the way that you passionately talk about him, the way that you carry yourself, and, and just how you, you speak, people are going to be drawn to Jesus. So I want to close out with this one final verse in Proverbs chapter 18. Verse 21. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. So you know the verse earlier, it talked about that, you know, with our tongues we can speak blessings and cursings, and this verse takes it a whole other level. There's life and death in the words that we say life in the aspect that we have the ability to share Jesus with others and, and change the course of their lives, to bring life, not just here on this earth, but an eternal life. We have the ability to, to speak Jesus into the lives of, of those that are around us. And as we begin to do that, we can help people that have no hope in this world to find a hope in Jesus. We can talk life in, in the healing aspect of, of the way Jesus can, can heal scars, the way that Jesus can, can forgive sins and no sin is too great for Jesus. This is the life that we can begin to speak. Or we have the ability to speak death, to tear people down, to give people a false perception of who Jesus is. To say something to somebody that will turn them away from God forever. So it's not just about a, a death that we can speak into somebody's life here, but that can also be an eternal death. Again, I know that this is a hard message, but at the same time, I want us to understand the power of our words. And it's not something that we should take lightly. So, as we close out the service, and, you know, Tanya is, is going to be singing a song here, and, and it really just talks about the idea of Jesus tending our heart. So, let's ask God, maybe take some time during the song to pray and ask Jesus for any time that you have said something that hurt somebody Ask for the opportunity to, to make amends. Ask opportunity to, to see if there's a way that you can ask for forgiveness. Or maybe, again, this is a time where you can ask for forgiveness or the things that you said, but, and God will forgive you. And then also begin to pray that he helps you to grow in your faith. And that he can wash away any of and all of the gunk that's in your heart now and replace it with himself. So Father God, I just want to thank you for today. 
Lord, I thank you that we have the opportunity to, to worship you, to love you. God, I, I just want to say I'm sorry for any time that I have said something that has hurt somebody. Any time that I have said something that has pulled somebody away from you. God, I do ask for opportunities to be able to apologize to anybody. To say something that um, would be able to help them see you within me. And God, I pray for each and every one of us that we would begin to, to replace all of the things within our hearts with you. And Lord, that we would begin to see our faith grow. And Lord, that through that we would have the ability to watch you as you, you tame our tongues. And Lord, that we would begin to speak things of love and of passion of you rather than hurtful things and things that bring death. God, I thank you for being here with us this morning. I pray that you bless the rest of this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.